if you knew a hurricane was coming, if you knew where it was going to land and, and had some proximity where it was going to land, if you knew approximately when it would land and you knew very uh, shortly when it would come and, and when it got there, you knew what it would do. You knew that it would be a Category 3 that would be upgraded to a Category 4. You knew that it would include 130 mile per hour winds, that it would bring some 20, 10 to 20 inches of rain. If you knew that it was going to bring a wall of water, a storm surge of, of 12 to 20 feet, and that was going to be very destructive, and that it, this whole hurricane is going to wreak havoc, there's going to be power lines down, and the power is going to be out, and the gas lines are going to be ruptured, and there's going to be the threat of fires, and, and no one's going to be able to help you because of the conditions of the road. If you knew that a hurricane was coming, what would you do? We actually saw this played out this week. We saw it unfold on our TVs and on the internet. As the warnings came in, we could watch, and some of the folks left for higher ground. They left for safety, and you could watch on TV as the roads were crowded and they were packed, leaving out of these areas. Some folks, as the warnings came, they prepared, and, and they boarded up their businesses, they boarded up their homes, and they, they rushed to the store, and they bought water and food and batteries and and there's pictures of the aisles and the shelves are all empty there in the store as they made their preparations. I saw on one news channel that folks were writing their social security numbers on their arm in case they were killed, in case they were missing, they could be identified. And as I watch all of that flurry of activity, uh, for those people, for those people in, in Rockport, in Corpus Christi, for those people, it was a serious situation. It was a grave Situation. They couldn't ignore it. Most of them didn't ignore it. And, and all the talk was about it. All the focus was on it. What would you do if you knew a hurricane was coming? This morning I want you to think about a bigger question, and that is this. What would you do if you knew Jesus was coming? What would you do if you knew Jesus was coming? The Bible tells us, the Bible warns that before Jesus comes back, there's going to be various signs, and it gives us a listing of the signs. Before Jesus comes back, now listen to this, before he comes back, in the, in the days before Jesus comes back, the Bible says there's going to be false teachers, and false teachers are going to increase. In the days before Jesus comes back, the Bible says there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. What that means is all the talk is going to be about war. Do you watch the news lately? Jesus says there's going to be famines and there's going to be droughts and there's going to be earthquakes and there's going to be signs in the stars and signs in the heavens. Weren't last week we just looking to the sky? The Bible says right before Jesus comes back, there's going to be difficult times. We're going to exist in hard times. That men are going to be lovers of self. They're going to be selfish. That, that men are going to be lovers of money. That they're going to be boastful and arrogant. Did you watch the fight last night? Kids in the days before Jesus comes back, the Bible says they will be disobedient to their parents. People will be ungrateful and unholy and unloving. That's what the Bible says. They're gonna be malicious gossips and they're not gonna be able to wait to, to speak and to tear somebody down. The Bible says in those days, men are gonna be lovers of pleasure instead of lovers of God. Those are the signs. What would you do if you knew Jesus was coming? 12 years ago, 12 and a half years ago, I was 33, and I believe God was calling me to be a preacher. Uh, 
And I went to visit the man that I call my pastor. He's now 80 years old, the pastor that baptized me. And we had a long conversation, about four or five hours. And when I was getting ready to leave that day, we stood there in the doorway to his office and we we talked a little bit longer. And I will never forget, as we stood there in the door to his office, he said, I remember you, the little blonde-haired boy that was in our church nursery, And tears began to run down his face and he began to talk about the mission. This is the mission and this is what the mission entails. And he began to talk about the urgency of the day and the urgency of the mission. And he said, Toby, I spent my entire ministry and I believed that I would still be preaching when Jesus came back. And that's how I addressed my ministry. I thought and I believed Jesus would come back and I would still be preaching. But he said, you know what, I'm getting older and I'm not so sure about that, but he said, Toby, and he looked me in the eyes, and he said, Toby, I believe your ears will hear the trumpet sound, and I believe your eyes will see Jesus when he comes again. Friends, I do not know what's wrong with us. I do not know how we become so distracted I do not know how we become so tied up in the things of this world that we've lost our urgency today, but I want to tell you on the authority of God's word, Jesus is coming again, and he's coming again very soon. And so here's the question. What will we do about it? Here's the question. What would you do if you knew Jesus was coming? Today we're going to continue in a section of verses that we started last week. We're in Luke chapter 17. We're going to back up and hit a couple verses again. We're going to start in verse 20 and then go today through verse 25. Luke chapter 17, today verses 20 through 25. Our message today is entitled, The Kingdom and the Cross. The Kingdom and the Cross. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 25. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the reverence of the reading of God's word. (coughs) Beginning here in the 20th verse. God's word says, Now having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And he said to his disciples, The days will come when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. They will say to you, look there, look here. Do not go away and do not run after them. For just like the lightning, when it flashes out of one part of the sky, shines to the other part of the sky, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for Jesus, thankful for my Savior, thankful for the salvation that I have that came by the way of a cross, thankful for the forgiveness of sins that as I stand here today that no sin was too great, no sin stands as too large you will not forgive it if we'll confess it. The Bible says you'll remove it as far as the east is from the west. And and so we're able to come today as as followers of Christ 
and be in the absence of our sins, to be covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jesus, I praise you for that. We come today and I'm thankful for the truth of your word. And I pray that now as we begin to study it, that it would, that it would matter in our hearts, that it would make an impact in our minds and then in our homes and in our lives, in our churches. I pray that your word, living and active and relevant in all days, especially on this day, would supernaturally be applied to your people. We come now and I pray for some in this hour, this service, that do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I pray that today would be the day of their salvation to the glory of God. I pray for us here as believers that in this event that we would draw closer to you, that we would hear your truth and we would be shaped by the truth of the living God. We would not be the same. I pray that in all these things you would greatly and truly be glorified. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week we began a section of verses here in Luke chapter 17 looking at the kingdom of God, a very interesting subject, the, the kingdom of God. And the question really is, what is the kingdom of God? It's important for us to know, what is the kingdom of God? More than that, some very specific things. When does it start? Has it already started? Or are we waiting for some event? Is there something else that needs to happen? And really all of that comes down to what does it mean for you? What does it mean for me? What is the kingdom of God? Now, last week, if, if you remember, we established some very big truths in our study. First, we saw last week that the kingdom of God is right now, but it's also not yet. Very big concept, kind of a complicated concept, but we saw the kingdom of God is right now, but also at the same time, it is not yet. Now what that means is that in Christ, it has started. Verse 21 says the kingdom of God has been ushered in and was ushered in through Jesus Christ. But at the same time, it is not fully and finally realized, which means this, there will be a day when Jesus comes again and on that day there will be no more sin and there will no longer be the effects of sin. And on that day, the kingdom of God will be fully and finally realized. And so we saw a foundational thing. The kingdom of God is right now, and at the same time, it is also not yet. Then the second thing we saw last week is that the kingdom of God is different from all other kingdoms in that in God's kingdom, the king is the kingdom. The king is the kingdom. Now, everywhere else they would have a kingdom and the, the king might die, the king might pass away or he might be removed and then somebody would replace him and the kingdom would go on. Well, it's not that way in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, the king is the kingdom. If you read there in verse 21, Jesus comes and unashamedly, very publicly, he is telling them, I am the king, I am the Christ, I am the Messiah. And as he stands there in the midst of these people, he says, behold, take a look, the kingdom of God is in your midst. The king is the kingdom. Now understand what that means. What that means is this. If you miss the king, if you reject the king, you miss and you reject the kingdom. 
And that's what we saw last week. The third thing we saw last week was that in the time between Jesus' ascension to heaven, he is crucified, he's resurrected. 40 days later, he ascends to heaven. Between the time that he ascends to heaven and the time that he comes again, the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, God's people will long, and remember the word means they will have a burning desire, they will have a burning passion to be with Jesus. And so from the time that, that Jesus ascends and goes to heaven, the time that, that he comes again, God's people, our hearts will desire, they will long to be with Jesus. Listen to verse 22. And he said to the disciples, the days will come when you will long, you'll have a passion to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you will not See it. In those days, God's people, in these days, God's people will long to be with Jesus. That brings us to our study today. In our study today, we're going to see two more truths about the kingdom of God. And then really we're going to see another foundational truth, another foundational understanding about the kingdom of God. Let's begin and start looking at our verses today. Jesus continues on and he says this in verse 23. They will say to you, look there, look here. Do not go away and do not run after them. Jesus continues on and he, again he says, they will say to you, look there, look here, do not go away and do not run after them. Now what that means is this, between the time of Jesus' ascension to heaven and that's recorded there in Acts chapter one. Between the time that, that he ascends to heaven and the time that he comes again and the time that his kingdom is fully and finally realized, in that time period, the time period when, when people are longing to be with Jesus, in that age, Jesus is saying here, it will be an age of false declarations. That age is gonna be an age of false declarations. He is saying it's gonna be an age of false prophets who are making those false declarations. What he's saying here is in between the time that Jesus ascends and the time that Jesus comes again, it is gonna be the age of the false teacher. The Greek word here for do not run after them holds the idea do not chase after them. Do not get in and follow after them. Here are these people and they are shouting these false declarations. They are, they are making these false declarations and the Bible says do not get in and chase after them. Do not follow after them. See this. In a time when people will long to be with Jesus, think about this. In a time when people will long to hear the voice of Jesus, in a time when we are gonna need Jesus, this would be the ideal time for false prophets to enter in and to lead people away from Jesus. And so the Bible says, be aware of what's going on here. As they make these false declarations, do not follow after them. Folks, what do we do if we knew Jesus 
was coming again. I want to tell you, we need to open our eyes. That is our day today. And, and false teachers and false gospels and false ideas of Jesus are all around us today. And you watch today guys like Bill Johnson out there at Bethel or Dutch Sheets or, or T.D. Jakes and all these guys. I could go on and on with those lists of guys, but they're declaring, look at this Jesus. Look at this gospel. And it's not the biblical Jesus. And it's not the biblical gospel. And Jesus says, do not follow, do not chase after them. I'll tell you very honestly today, one of the most overwhelming things and honestly one of the most discouraging things of being a preacher of the truth and that's what I'm called to be, to preach God's word, to preach his truth. One of the most overwhelming things is to see the absolute avalanche of non-truth that is coming in today and is being preached today, is being proclaimed today and many times in the churches today. It's a discouraging thing to see all the garbage and the non-truth and the false Jesus and the false gospels and people are eating it up today. Listen to me, the key to not going the wrong way is to know the right way. And so listen to your pastor today. The way in 2017 to not chase after the false declarations or to hold on to God's declaration, the word of God that is living and active, we hold on to the Bible. Now what that means is this, and I've said it before, we need a revival of the word of God today. We live in an age where Jesus says the false teachers are entering in, they're, they're trying to mislead and destroy we need to have the plumb line of God's word and we need to adhere to that and we need to preach that it's God's word that'll lead us in the correct path. So Jesus says, do not chase after them. Do not follow after them. Look at verse 24. <clears throat> For just like the lightning, when it flashes out of one part of the sky, and I see the picture, shines to the other part of the sky so will the Son of Man be in his day. Verse 24, we see two truths about the coming kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God like? We're gonna see two more truths today that we can stack on our understanding of the kingdom of God. First thing we see is this. The coming kingdom of God is a sure event. Be sure and understand that. That's a big deal. The coming kingdom of God, the, the final and full realization of the kingdom of God, that is a sure event. Verse 24 gives us this example. Jesus is speaking and he says, this event, it's gonna be like that. When it happens, it's gonna be like that. Now don't miss that. Jesus is saying, it is coming. It is a sure event. You watch today, and we say that it's coming. People say, yeah, it's coming. I, I expect that it's coming. We, we sing songs about the fact that it's coming. Oh, we talk about looking forward to that coming, but I'm not sure that we really have settled it in our hearts. It is a sure thing. It is a coming thing, and it is a soon coming thing. 
And I want to tell you, the the day is coming and and we have to be able to understand this that as sure as the sun came up on this day, when I woke up and I looked out and the sun could come up, the day is coming that the Son of God will have come and have made all things new. It is a sure and coming thing and it is coming soon. The coming of the kingdom is a sure event. It is a sure event. Second thing, The coming of the kingdom is a sudden event. It is a sure event. We also see here in the verse, it is a sudden event. Listen to verse 24 again. For just like the lightning, when it flashes out of one part of the sky and shines to the other part of the sky, so will the Son of Man be in his day. Now see the picture. It says just like the lightning. Now think about that, the, the flash of lightning. And it flashes in this part of the sky and it streaks apart across and it lights up another part of the sky. It says, so will be the Son of Man in his day. Now I tried to do this once. I was at the farm and I was sitting out and there was a thunderstorm and I thought, you know what, it'll be a, it'll be a pretty cool thing to take a picture of lightning. You ever try to take a picture of lightning, have my cell phone and you sit there, you cannot, I can't, I cannot take a picture of lightning. It, it flashes and I take the picture and I missed it. And I, I wait and I take a picture and there was no lightning. I could not take a picture of lightning. I, I thought, well, I'll just take a bunch of pictures and I'll capture some lightning. I couldn't take a picture of any lightning. Well, it's in the same way. It's gonna come and it's gonna be sudden and it's gonna flash from one part of the sky and it's gonna illuminate all parts of the sky. Here's an interesting thing. There were some people that upon hearing the the truth of the gospel and seeing the ascension of of Jesus, there were some people that decided they would sit in Jerusalem and wait for Jesus to come again. Now, I want to tell you, that that sometimes sounds like a pretty good plan to me. Some days I think, you know what, I'm just going to sit down and I'm just gonna wait for Jesus to come again. I've had all of this that I can stand. I've had all of this that I want. And, and life is hard and life is tough and people are crazy. And you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna sit down. I'm just gonna wait for Jesus to come again. Right from the very start, remember the angel when Jesus ascends, he says, what are you doing looking into the sky? Do you not know he's gonna come in the same way that he went? And he tells them to get about their life. The Bible says it's gonna be just like lightning and just like lightning, it's gonna happen and it's gonna happen suddenly and it's gonna happen in a flash and it's it's gonna be suddenly and it's gonna illumine the whole sky. Listen, what that means is you're not gonna have to be in Jerusalem to see it. The whole sky is going to reveal it. What the Bible is saying, he is coming again. It is a sure event, but it's gonna be a sudden event and when it comes, it's gonna come like a flash of lightning and we will know it. Well, did he come? We're gonna know it like a flash of lightning. We will know it. Matthew chapter 24 verse 44 says this. For this reason, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. When you do not think he will, that's when he's coming. First Thessalonians chapter five verse two says, for you know full well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief 
in the night. And so get this today, Christian. The Bible says, let us not sleep as others do because the day of the Lord, it is a sure event and it is a sudden event. And just when you get commonplace, just when you become apathetic, when you think it's not going to happen, pow, like a flash in the sky, it'll be upon us and the day of the Lord will have come. Praise the Lord. Wow, that's, that's the word of God. God says that it is coming and it's a sure thing and it's a sudden thing and like a flash in the sky, it will have occurred. Are you ready? Signs are all there. Are you ready? It is a sure event. It is a sudden event. Moving to verse 25 now. In verse 25, there is a turning that goes on. In verse 25, there is a great, great truth, a tremendous truth about God's kingdom that is laid out. What is different about the kingdom of God? Remember the first thing, we saw it last week. What's different about the kingdom of God? We saw last week that the king is the kingdom. Jesus is the centerpiece. The king is the kingdom. Well, listen to me. Today we see the second thing, and that is this. Listen. The kingdom comes through the cross. Did you hear me? Listen to me. That's the second great truth, and it's a deep, profound truth. The kingdom comes through the cross. Now what that means is this, if it weren't for the cross of Jesus Christ, if it weren't for the cross of Calvary, there would be no kingdom for us. The kingdom comes through the cross. Verse 25 is a very awesome verse. I'm gonna lead us through it. We're gonna look at each word of it. In verse 25, Jesus says of himself, and I want you to think how Huge that is, how heavy that is. Jesus is speaking of himself. And in verse 25, he says this. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Jesus says, but first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. The verse starts off and it says, but first... But first, there is a condition. There is an order. There is something that must transpire. There is something that must take place. But first, it says, but first he, it's talking about Jesus. Jesus is speaking and he's referring to himself. It's talking about Jesus, not you, though you earned it. Not me, though I had deserved it. It's talking about Jesus, but Jesus, but he, but first, he must suffer. The Greek word for suffer here means to experience, listen, experience suffering. It means to sense and to feel suffering. But first, Jesus must feel suffering. He must suffer, folks. Never let us forget today, Jesus suffered for our salvation. Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered hurt. Jesus suffered anguish. Isaiah the prophet says of Jesus that he was a, a man of sorrows. There was a pain of the heart. 
that he was acquainted with grief. What that means is he was no stranger to grief. He knew grief. And Jesus, our Lord, he suffered. Verse continues. Many things. Suffered many things. The Greek word means plenteous things. Means highly innumerable things. It literally means many things. Not one thing does he suffer. Not several things does he suffer. But the Bible says many things, innumerable things does he suffer. See the truth of that today. Jesus, though he never suffered, he, no, he never sinned, he suffered many things. Jesus, though he never sold out to the ways of the world, the Bible says he suffered many things. Jesus, though he never submitted and though he never bent a knee to Satan, though he was enticed, he suffered many things. The Bible says, and be rejected. Rejected in the Greek has a very telling meaning. It means this, listen, to be rejected and cast away after investigating. That's what that Greek word means, to be rejected and cast away after investigating. It means surveying something and then determining that it is useless. It carries with it the picture to taste something and then to spit it out. That's the rejection that Jesus faced. It says by this generation, by this generation, a generation that he came to save, this generation that was looking for a kingdom, this generation that was ready to crown a king, they rejected the Messiah, our Savior from God. They literally, in this generation, they see and they taste and they spew Jesus out of their mouth. The apostle John says he came into his own. He came into his own nation. He came into his own people. He came into his own creation. He came into his own family and they received him not. Hear me today, dear friend. Jesus came as the savior for sin. Jesus came as the promised Messiah. Jesus comes and he's the light of the world. Jesus came as the prince of peace and he offers peace that the world can't comprehend. He comes as Emmanuel, God with us. He left the glory of heaven and he is holy and he's perfect and he's beautiful and he's kind and they and we in our sin, we spit him out of our mouth and he goes to the cross of Calvary. Alas, and did my savior bleed and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? kingdom comes because of the cross. That cross is such an ugly scene, but a beautiful transaction takes place on that cross. Colossians chapter one, verse 20 describes it like this. Listen. And through him, the king, Jesus, and through him, 
to reconcile all things unto himself, having made peace through the blood of Jesus of his cross. The kingdom comes through the cross. And if there is not a cross that stands for us, we have no kingdom. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall never get side of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. I must needs go on in the blood-sprinkled way, the path that the Savior trod. If I ever climb to the heights sublime where the soul is at home with God, then I bid farewell to the way of the world to walk in it nevermore. For my Lord says, come, and I seek my home where he waits at the open door. The way of the cross leads home leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to go, no, as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. The kingdom comes through the cross. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. And I, I come and I, I come with a new maybe a renewed understanding of the cross of Calvary. Wicked and evil, and your blood runs out on that cross and you, and you struggle to breathe on that cross and they mock you and they take a crown of thorns and the king that the kingdom is established in, a, a crown of thorns are mashed into your head, Lord. It was for me. It was for my sins. They whip you across the back. They nail spikes through your hands and your feet and it was for me, it was for my sins, Lord. And now with the penalty paid and by your grace and through faith, I look forward to a kingdom. But it's a kingdom that you purchased in your blood and you secured in your sacrifice. And for me, the way of the cross leads home. I praise you, my Savior, Jesus. We come and as we close our service, I pray that you're speaking to some folks in this room. And I pray for some here that do not have a relationship with Christ. And maybe, maybe they're here and, and they've heard this before. Maybe it's, it's new information, but they're sitting and they're understanding there is no peace with the holy God outside of the cross. There is no kingdom and abundant life now. There's no eternal life then, but the way of the cross and the savior of that cross, Jesus. I pray that in this moment, in this hour, they'd put their faith in Jesus. Open their ears, Lord. Remove any hindrance, remove any pride. And I pray that today would be the day of their salvation to the glory of God the Father. I pray for us as believers here today that we have a renewed perspective of the cross. And as we hope for a tremendous kingdom, we never forget the cost of our citizenship in it. Let us praise Jesus anew. Lord, we come and we just tell you, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. and We exalt you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.